So last week I shared uh, this quote on your notes. So if you have your handout, go ahead and pull that out. It's at the very top. It will also be on the screen. But Harry Lloyd uh, said this. Uh, well, he didn't say that. He said, it's on the top of your notes. He said, I thank God that I live in a country where dreams can come true, where failure sometimes is the first step to success, and where success is only another form of failure if we forget what our priorities are should be. And last week, I highlighted the last part of that, okay? But today, if you would take a look at what's right in the middle, what's right in the middle, where failure sometimes is the first step to success. Now, here's the reason I shared that this morning, because here at MCC, listen, it, we have stories in our lives to prove that to be true in all areas of our lives, but especially what we're talking about over these next few weeks, which is the area of finances. Uh, so I reached out to Justin and Christy Gormican, and if you check out the screen, you get a picture of them. That's Justin and Christy. They are members here at MCC. They are also, yeah, now, all right, that's what I'm talking about right there. All right, but Justin and Christy will be helping to teach, lead our uh, Financial Peace University class beginning in January. And so they were here first hour. I asked them to stand up. I also asked them, would you like to come stand with me on the platform? And they said, no, not on your life. And so uh, I just want to share with you the story that Christy, I showed you their picture because I want you to hear their story, know who they are as you hear their story. She said she and Justin were never on the same page when it came to finances. And so I don't know if that's anybody else in this room uh, or not in their marriage relationship. She said, I don't do numbers and he works in finance. He was the saver. I was the spender. Our communication about money involved him telling me we need to be careful and watch our spending and then us arguing when I came home with a thousand Target bags or when the credit card statement came in the mail. It felt like all we did was talk or argue about money. And she said, I didn't know anything about Dave Ramsey or Financial Peace University, but one day I was scrolling through Facebook and saw that, my M that MCC was going to be teaching Financial Peace University, and I talked to Justin about taking the class, and he said, it can't hurt because nothing that we're doing is working. And their son had just started college at the Ohio State University. But that's a side note. Uh, but she said, financially... Uh, we were scared and had no hope. She said the first FPU class was unbelievable. I remember Justin saying how everything Dave Ramsey said about the baby steps were, were just basic common sense, and yet we had never done any of them. For the first time in a long time, I understood Justin's frustration with my lack of involvement with our finances and my reckless spending habits. So that night, Christy said, I apologized to him never realized how much pressure he had trying to juggle money every month. And then we became diligent and focused. And the stories that our classmates and the FPU coordinator were inspiring, Justin and I worked together to create a budget. And the only time we talked about money was at our weekly budget committee meeting, which, by the way, was just those two, held at their dining room table. Make sure they're still on the same page. And for the first time ever, we knew exactly where our money was going. But most importantly, we were able to begin giving. She said, Justin and I were on the road to financial freedom, and then we heard news that Teradata was closing the Dayton office. She said, we were preparing for Justin losing his job when he was offered a relocation to the Atlanta office. It was a time filled with uh, emotion and uncertainty, but thanks to FPU, we were able to assess our budget and make a decision based on what was best for our family. 
If this news had come prior to their taking FPU, she said that they would have had to have moved to Atlanta, and it felt good to have some control during such a stressful season of their lives. When we were talking on the phone, Christy said, it, it didn't just affect that part of our life, it affected other parts of our lives. And I said, what do you mean by that? She said, throughout FPU, I felt called to start reading my Bible again and to get back to church again. We'd attended MCC over the years, but pretty sporadically, and so we felt like we needed to get back to it. So on Easter Sunday, 2018, she said, we started coming back, and we have not stopped. We started volunteering at Thread, or started volunteering at Threads, and over time became involved in other groups within MCC. Justin was baptized last fall. They're now members here at MCC. She said in January, we were given the opportunity to coordinate the FPU class. It was such a blessing to share our personal story and to help others. She said, I wish I could let everyone know how great Financial Peace University uh, is. Uh, we cannot express the joy and freedom that we feel now. We've been able to pay off debt while cash flowing our son's college education. We look forward to the future and where we can live and give like no one else. Somebody here, part of this congregation, that you worship with on a week-to-week -week basis. They were here during the first hour. That's their story. My guess is I've been given two or three other stories just this morning as well. Listen, today we're in part two of a four-part message series called Making Change. And it's all about how we manage, right, how we manage our resources in a way that honors God and actually changes our lives. So if you missed last week, we've got four big ideas that we are pushing during this series. Less is more. Stress is bad is this week. Uh, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. That's where we are. That's next, or that's going to be the last one. So, hey, listen, if this is your first time here, by the way, my name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at MCC. Really glad that you're here, and if you're watching online, thanks for joining us there as well. Just this past week, uh, I got a note from Megan and Michael, congratulations on your wedding, by the way, who are listening in Wilmington, North Carolina. So, shall we say hello to Megan and Michael on three? One, two, three. There we go. <laughs> hey, thanks for, letting us, thanks for letting us know what God is doing in your lives through what he's doing here at MCC. So I hope, every, I hope what today I, I talk about, actually, let me say it another way. I already know that what I'm going to talk about today is going to resonate with everyone in this room because stress is bad. And when I say stress in terms of finances, what is it that causes stress in our finances? It's debt. Yes, thank you very much. That's exactly it. I say uh, debt causes financial stress because I've never heard anyone say, ever since I got into debt, my marriage has been so much better, right? Have you ever heard anyone say anything like that? Or back before we had payments, we fought all the time. Now that, we, now that we're in debt and we have payments, man, we never fight because we're in debt, right? No one says that. No one says, test me. See if you've ever heard anyone say the massively high rate on credit cards has improved my sex life like nobody's business, man. Have you ever heard anyone say that? No, we've never, but I bet we've heard people say, you and I have both heard people say, and maybe we are the people who have said things like, man, I wish I could help people who are in need more. And maybe even when you heard OCC and Operation Christmas Child, or Operation Christmas Child and Angel Tree, maybe the first thing that went through your mind was, oh man, I'd love to I wish I could be a part of that. Maybe that's your thought, but we're not able to do that right now. I wish one of us could stay home with the kids. That is certainly not the cards. I wish we didn't have this stress. It seems like we fight all the time. I wish we could travel, but that's not even an option for us with where we are. 
Why is that? Because we have financial stress. Quite frankly, stress is what? Bad. Perhaps the second hour doesn't know it like the first hour does. But let's try that again. We know that because stress is Yeah, stress is bad. I just want to make sure we get that. Before you leave this morning, I want to make sure you get that. Because this is a difficult subject to talk about. Because we've all made mistakes. And I wonder how many of us, listen, you are where you never planned to be. You have no idea how you got there. And quite frankly, you don't know how you're going to get out of it. And we'd rather put our head in the sand and pretend like, right, like this isn't going on. Because we feel hopeless and helpless. And we know exactly what Proverbs feels like when we read the ritual over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. We know what that feels like to have zero financial freedom, which is why we don't just say less is more. We say that stress is bad. bad. There we go. All right. Uh, we don't get, listen, we don't want to be in bondage to anyone. And I get that because I've been in bondage financially. I know what that feels like. And this is one of those times I'm going to beg you to stay engaged, to have an open heart, and and to do something, not just listen, but do something about this. Because I believe that God has something better he wants for his kids. I believe God has something that he wants that's better for his children than to be slaves because of our finances. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. If you would, everyone just close your eyes because it's going to be easier for you to pretend if you have your eyes closed. So just close your eyes for a moment and pretend. Imagine what it would be like to be free of financial stress. So if, you're, if you can, with your eyes closed, imagine if something breaks and all you do is pay for it to be fixed. That's it. You don't freak out or anything. You just go pay for it because you got money in the bank to go cover whatever it is that was broken. Imagine you want to buy something and you pay cash for it. You, you don't make payments over time with interest. You just go pay cash for whatever it is. Imagine if someone you know is in need and you are actually able to help them out. Or imagine you got a week off from work for vacation and the biggest question really is where do you want to go? Open your eyes. Listen, if the practical side of this doesn't motivate you, For those of us who are Jesus followers, maybe the spiritual side will. If we took everything Jesus said, and I mentioned this last week, but if we take everything Jesus said about salvation, heaven, and hell combined, all of that combined, it doesn't come anywhere close to what he said about money and possessions and wealth. The reason you cannot throw out a large portion of what Jesus said and still say, I love you and I will follow you and my life is your life and my, my student stuff is your student stuff and my job stuff is your job stuff and my children are your children and my marriage is your marriage, but my money is my money. And it's none of your business what I do with it. The reason you can't say that is because Jesus said things like this. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other, which makes total sense. Look at how he finishes the thought. You cannot serve both God and money. And then he would follow that teaching up in Matthew 6 with where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Also, the reason Jesus talks so much about money is he knows it's the number one competitor for our heart and our time and our attention. And he says, if you're going to follow me, you have to surrender even this arena of your life to me. You have never read, trust me, test me, read it this week. You've never read in the New Testament, Jesus asking money from anybody. 
He doesn't want your money. He's not trying to get your money. He just doesn't want your money to get you. And everybody in this room knows what it feels like when our finances or our debt or our wealth or our poverty or our worries get us. And God says, I want to help untangle you from that. And honestly, when our hearts are aligned spiritually with God, it makes it a whole lot easier to make better decisions in the world in which we live so that it honors him. So today I'm just going to teach you three prayers, three very simple prayers that if you will uh, begin to pray these and begin to put these into action, you will be able to honor God with how you use what he has entrusted to you. So here is the first prayer. And by the way, this could be your next step. This may be your next step in your walk with him, in your faith journey. God Give me self-control. Give me self-control. And you know why this is important? The book of Proverbs reminds us that a city without walls, a city whose walls are broken, is a person uh, who is like, back that up, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. A person who doesn't have self-control, you're like a city without walls or whose walls are broken down. Do you know what a city with walls broken down is? Vulnerable to anybody and anything that comes along. Here's the problem. Living inside each of us is a two-year-old child. And you have seen this child I'm talking about in the grocery store when they want something, right? A candy, a piece of candy, or a bag of candy, or a toy. I want it. I want that. That two-year-old kid inside of you, you need to lock that kid up. Sound booth, we will not sound bite that last sentence, all right? Uh, we need to discipline that little kid inside of us and say, God, give me self-control. Dave Ramsey, who is the leader of Financial Peace University, financial expert, he's helped all kinds of people uh, get their finances in order. He said this, it's on your nose because I wanted to make sure you had this. What I found is that personal finance is 80% behavior. Everybody tries to fix financial problems with math. But it's not a math problem. It's not a knowledge problem. It's a behavior problem. The problem with my money is the idiot I shave with every morning. If I can get that guy in the mirror to behave, he can be skinny and rich. It's not magic. All right, so here's what we're going to do. You ready? We are going to learn to say what? No. Say that a little better. We're going to learn to say no for a little while so that we can say yes for the rest of our lives. As a matter of fact, Dave Ramsey, and I'll quote him several times this morning, but he says we want to live like nobody else now so that we can live like nobody else later, right? And I don't know how this will play out for you, but I guarantee it will when you begin to say no. And I got to begin somewhere, so I'll just kind of begin here, right? There are some of us who like to get our nails done uh, every week if we can, right? So, uh, and, and you know what, just so you know, we all appreciate that. They're pretty. We love that. And, uh, but perhaps instead of getting your nails done every week, you need to get them done once a month. Say no now so that you can say yes and get your nails done whenever you want to later. Others of us like to play golf every week. And so what do we have to say? No. Wow, that is hesitant. Uh, 
the weather's not even great right now. Oh, yeah, we'll say no. Uh, we may need to say no and play maybe once a month at a less expensive place now so that we can say yes to playing golf whenever we want, wherever we want later. We may have to say no to a $5 cup of coffee for a while and say yes to, heaven forbid, grocery store brand, right, for a little while. Then that way you can drink whatever kind of coffee whenever you want for the rest of your life. Your 12-year-old child wants a cell phone, an iPhone. And in our culture, listen, it could be considered child abuse not to give your 12-year-old child a cell phone. I get that. But we may have to say no for a while now so that we can say yes for the rest of our lives. You may want a brand new car that has that new car smell. And I have no idea how long you've been driving that old car. But I'm telling you, you may need to say no for a while now and drive the older one so you can say yes for the rest of your lives. God, give me self-control. Help me recognize that less is more and stress is bad and giving is good and tomorrow matters. That's the first prayer. Here's the second prayer. God, give me understanding. God, help me understand this thing. And part of that, again, the understanding is what our culture considers normal. So we need to understand what the world around us is saying is normal. Dave Ramsey, again, FPU, says this. Today in North America, normal means, and this is on your notes, we believe we'll always have a car payment. We have no money in the bank for emergencies. And we have a student loan that's been around so long that we think it's a pet. We are up to our eyeballs in debt. We live in the wealthiest nation on the planet. And if you want to add these words, this is accurate, in the history of the world and normal in our country is broke and worried because we are addicted to debt, including Christians who ought to know better. Most people in our country don't know any other way to live. Listen, the average credit card debt per borrower is $5,736. And some, someone's got to be thinking, well, that doesn't seem very high. That's not very much. How many credit cards are in your family? Right? Do you know what credit card companies call people who use their credit cards regularly and only pay monthly payments? They call them revolvers. You know what, they, what credit card companies call people who pay their credit cards off like Sandy and I? Pay them off. Every, we use credit cards, but we pay them off every month, and we never keep a balance that rolls over to the next month. You know what they call us? Deadbeats. Think about that, what they're trying to sell you. When we talk about understanding, I want to make sure that you get this. Debt is not a normal part of life. This is not what God is calling us to. This is not what he wants for his children. Let me remind you of something he begins to say in Deuteronomy chapter 28. I put, I put the reference on your notes, verses 1 to 14. I'm only going to give you the first couple of verses. But it says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all of his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come to you or on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Notice the colon. The blessings follow this. And it goes on and on what God wants for his children. If we'll just do what he says, please read those verses today. But we wander from what God wants for us because many people just don't seem to understand how numbers and debt work to hurt us. And I still remember the pain and 
man, is it painful to begin to understand this. So in our culture today, when we want to go buy something, especially something big, we ask two questions. We usually ask, how much do I owe you down? How much down? And how much will it be per month? Right? Those questions sound familiar? What's the question we're not asking? What's this thing cost? Right? We, we don't even ask the cost. We just want to know how much down and how much we're going to owe per month. I mentioned the average credit card debt is how much? Yes, I'm going to give you some numbers. I don't want you to get lost in them, but what I want you to do is if you see one that pertains to you, kind of make a mental note of that. Nearly 430 uh, million credit cards are in circulation right now in our country. 430. That, by the way, should be about all of us in this room. We all probably, most of us, if not all of us, have a credit card. About 35% of those who carry credit card debt say it's because of an emergency expense like car repairs, replacing four tires, perhaps, medical bills, home repairs. About 56% of those who are carrying balances have been doing so for more than a year. The survey said 65% of those between the ages of 23 and 38 are likely to be carrying balances mainly for day-to-day -day expenses like coffee and gas. Some 40 million Americans or 16% of all adults in our country think they will miss at least one credit card due date in 2019. Now, don't raise your hands, but did you see yourself in any of those numbers? Do any of those represent you? Because here, listen, I'm going to give you a bad news alert, all right? This is an alert, so be careful here. If a credit card borrower only made minimum payments on five, you borrowed $5,000, you put $5,000 on your credit card, for this is an example, they'd be in debt for more than 18 years. If you make the minimum payment, you would pay for 18 years and we'd end up paying $6,372 in interest beyond the $5,000. Hmm. And while that may not be encouraging, it is understanding. And the problem is we've gotten used to that because it's a normal way of life. But that's how it works against you. Now, keep in mind, I'm a pastor. I have a twin brother who is a CFO of a company. We're very different people. But that's why I'm encouraging you to do what I've done. Financial Peace University, we learn from an expert. We learn together. We bring our knowledge. We laugh at each other's mistakes. We encourage each other and cheer each other on and make progress. So God, give me self-control. God, give me understanding because there's a lot I don't know about this. I don't understand about this, and I want to be able to honor you in my country where I live my life. I want to live so that I honor you with what you entrusted to me. Here's the last prayer. God, give me a plan. Give me a plan because Proverbs 21 reminds us the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. And I just want to make sure you pick up this word, the plans of the diligent. doesn't say the plans of the brilliant. doesn't say the plans of the rocket scientists in the room. doesn't say the plans of the people who have a degree in, in economics or finance. doesn't say that. It says the plans of the diligent. D.O. Flynn said this, the haves and have-nots can often be traced back to the dids and did-nots. There is no secret. It's not, something you, you have, it's not something you may not be able to figure out because you're just not smart enough. It's about discipline and a plan, and it takes time to recover. But you have to begin immediately. You'll, be, you'll feel better if you begin immediately because you know you've got the situation under control. 
So last week I shared this number, USA Today, in February of this year, shared 87% of Americans concur nothing makes them happier or more confident than feeling that their finances are in order. Here's what we need to recognize. Please don't miss this. You can wander into debt, but you will never wander out. You can stumble into debt, but you will never stumble out. You can mistake your way into debt, but you will never mistake your way out. You have to plan and be diligent and strategic and with encouragement. You can do this, but it will not be quick and it will not be easy. It will not be quick and it will not be easy. You plan your way out. God, give me the wisdom to have self-control. Give me understanding. Give us a plan. And as I'm talking about this, it's easy to feel, man, I just wish I hadn't whatever. Or, man, this is so hard. Or we were just fighting about this again last night. And I know that. And I know that the pain is real. I know that the embarrassment is real. But I also know that we serve a very good God. And when we begin to do what's right, and when we begin to pursue him first, to put him as the top priority and to do things his way, it's amazing how he honors our faith. And we can see significant change take place in our lives that will change the trajectory of our lives, our children, our children's children, and for generations to come. And that's why each week we just stop. We stop singing, and we stop talking. I stop talking. And we hold a piece of bread and a cup of juice. That's why we do that every week. It's so that we can remember. As a matter of fact, Paul would tell us in 1 Corinthians that he's quoting Jesus, right? In the same way after supper, the last supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. We stop every week to remember who Jesus is in our lives and what he has done and the price he paid for us, which makes him number one in our lives, which takes us back, if you would, to the very top of the notes. I thank God I live in a country where dreams can come true, where failure sometimes is the first step to success, and where success is only another form of failure if we forget what our priorities should be. So we stop and we remember who our priority is in all areas of our lives. And so today for you, as we take the cup and the juice and you remember what Jesus did to pay the price for your sins, remember that he calls you to a better place in your finances too. He has come to save all of who you are to help you have a life you couldn't have imagined before him because of who he is in your life and because of what he has done on our behalf. And so we stop, and even now we will remember. Let's go to him. God, thank you for who you are. And thank you for loving us, even with bad decisions that we make that put us in places that we never thought we would find ourselves. And again, for some of us, we, we don't know how we got here, but quite frankly, 
don't know how to get out either. And so we just get used to living where we are. God, that covers all areas of our lives. Help us to be mindful as we receive these emblems that your love came to pay the price. Jesus, you gave your life to pay the price for the forgiveness of our sins. May we never forget that. And when we call you Savior and Lord, and when we say that we will be a follower of yours, that's not just saying thank you for taking away our sins. That's saying I will follow you with my whole life, all of it, not just pieces and parts of it, but all of it. And so God, as we hold these emblems, we don't just remember we pledge again our allegiance to you. God, use this time to draw us back to your heart. We pray this through your son, Jesus. Amen.